Welcome to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. Today we have Frank Kruger on and he is going to tell us a travel story. Hi, Frank. Howdy. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being here. I'm very excited. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with travel. I'm Frank Kruger. I live in Seattle, Washington, and I guess I've wanted to travel ever since I was a kid, and so I feel guilty whenever I'm not traveling. That's my relationship. It's a guilt-driven one because (laughs) I think I just want to see kind of the whole world and, you know, see everything. That's my travel inspiration. See everything. That's such a unique response. I've never heard a feeling of guilt. And so I think that's pretty <laughs> awesome. I'd be letting down my younger self if I uh, if I wasn't traveling. If I have the opportunity, you know, if everything's going well, then yeah, you have to do it. That's true. Was there a time in your life when you began to travel and you felt like you were fulfilling your younger self's (laughs) (laughs) desire? Yeah, um, I guess um, the first time I left the country was like, you know, my first big trip. And I went to Hong Kong and it was quite a trip. It was it's still actually the longest flight I've ever been on was my first real flight. It was uh, 15 and a half hours going from L.A. to Hong Kong. Wow. And it was, yeah. <laughs> I still have nightmares, memories of it. <laughs> it was a <laughs> interesting <Nightmares>. flight. <laughs> it was simultaneously fun because um, I was with a bunch of friends and one of the friends was afraid of flying and it was a giant airplane taking off in the rain and it was so bumpy and I was having a blast and he was freaking out and so I had to laugh <laughs> just watching him you know, taking pleasure out of other people's pain. It's it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it wasn't you with the fear, because if it was your first long distance <laughs> flight and you had a fear of flying and it was 15 <laughs> hours. No, I, I learned to fear something else and that's long flights. So after those flights getting back home, I was like, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I like the travel part. I really loved Hong Kong, but I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to be on an airplane for 15 and a half hours again. But then I discovered, um, there are other places closer by, and I learned about uh, layovers, so you can break the trip up a little. So you like layovers? Oh, yeah. I think that's been the best tool in my arsenal lately. If there's somewhere far I want to go, I've learned to not book flights the full 30 hours to get there. Instead, I break it up over a few days, you know, go to Europe, bounce over to Turkey. I don't know where I'm going on this trip, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Just <laughs> do yeah. kind of day trips, sit in a hotel, kind of enjoy a city at night. It's just a much better way to travel. Mm, that's a great pro tip. Even if it's a, a airport hotel, it's worth it. You know, even if you're not getting out, I think just stopping is so nice. <laughs> yeah, feeling the ground again and getting a shower in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So after that trip, I actually met a lot of international friends in college and they became excuses to travel and I just started going all over the world. And then somewhere in my 20s, I went really crazy and just was pretty much traveling nonstop. Really? Like full time? Not full time because I had the secondary guilt of I should be working, but it was a weird <laughs> balance between the two guilt. the battle of the guilts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, at the time, I didn't really have a job. And so I was just traveling around as much as I could with whatever money I could find. So do you know how many countries you've been to? 
you know, I used to keep a map and I was coloring in the countries because I was, you know, I'm kind of proud of it. Like I said, I want to visit everywhere. So I have to know if I've been everywhere yet. And then I stopped filling it in and all that. So I I can't tell you a number, but too many to count. (laughs) (laughs) I've done the big ones. Now I'm finding the smaller countries and the harder to get to places. They're left on the map. That's good. That's my goal that someday I won't care how many places I've been to or not even have to worry about it. Do you count? I think roughly. So I have to ask you, uh, what's your criteria for whether you've been in a country? You know, scare quotes around Mm. that. Well, definitely for me, it's like, have I spent time there? Not just like, was I driving through it? Right. So probably almost all countries that I would count, I've actually slept in or been in for at least a few days and experienced. Yeah. And I've definitely had layovers in other countries, but definitely a layover doesn't count to me because I didn't really (laughs) see it. Sometimes airports are cool and you can get a vibe a little bit, but it's just not the same as actually going to a place. What about you? Roughly the same criteria, but I I upped it to two nights in the place because I was Mm. doing those uh, night layovers and I decided I'm not allowed to count those because as you Mm. said, you're not, even though I'd sometimes get out into the city, it's not enough because you're yeah, you, you don't have time to relax. My my version of travel is always to get to a place and relax there and not be running around and, you know, chasing a schedule or anything, but just trying to kind of live in a place as quickly as you can. Yeah, soak in the atmosphere. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> okay, so you have a travel story to tell us today. Oh, I do. I do. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure what to tell, but then this one popped up and I was like, oh, this story. I don't like telling this story, but... <laughs> You don't like telling it? Well, I I can't let my mother hear it. <laughs> so okay. hopefully we'll she sure won't listen to this podcast. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I made a lot of stupid decisions on this journey, as you'll hear. It sounds like fun. It's embarrassing, but still kind of fun, I think. So um, the story altogether is um, me crossing the Sinai with no money because I needed to catch an airplane. But I'd like to give a little opening because how I got across the Sinai in the first place is a little bit interesting and I revisit some places. So maybe I'll start in the beginning of the story. Yeah. So um, in Cairo, fast forward, airplanes, airplanes, Cairo, (laughs) Um, had already seen the pyramids, was having a great time, was absolutely loving Cairo. But on this trip, uh, I was with a friend and we wanted to get over to Israel. Mm. And so that means crossing the giant Sinai Desert, which it was actually pretty easy in the beginning (laughs) because we uh, just rented a bus and uh, rented a bus. We got bus tickets and it's quite a distinction I'll actually make later. But this was a nice big tour bus, you know, a big proper bus. And it's crossing the desert and you're stopping quite often. You have time to buy Cokes. It's all quite lovely. How big is the desert? Giant. When you look on a map, you have Cairo, the delta of uh, the Nile, the part you think of as Egypt. And then far off to the right, you have Jordan and Saudi Arabia, which most Americans think of as desert because they are mostly desert. But between those two things is another desert called the Sinai Desert. And it's quite famous. It's biblical and all that good stuff. So it's uh, fun to be crossing because there's literally one road that crosses it. And so you run into the weirdest people. You see the weirdest things. It, It was the most staggering desert I'd ever seen. 
up to that point in my life. How long does it take to cross, even by bus? Pretty much all day. I mean, you're stopping a lot because you're overheating all the time and (laughs) people are (laughs) overheating. But I think it took us a good eight to 10 hours, eight hours, something like that. It's a good trip. But um, that is a straight shot straight across the desert. If you look on a map, the road is hilarious. It just cuts straight through. So we made great time. There's no one on the road. So the bus goes as fast (laughs) as it can. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So our goal was to get to Israel and we arrive at the border there. This bus goes actually straight to the border. Now, this is at the northern peak of the Red Sea. And it's quite an interesting area because it's where Egypt meets Israel, meets Jordan, meets Saudi Arabia. All of these big countries are together at the ports around this area in the north part of the Red Sea here. And so it's just kind of an eclectic mix of people to start with. But then something unfortunate happened. Uh, My friend got denied at the border. Uh And uh, she was living in Israel before and was in some protests. So they didn't want her back in. So it was kind (laughs) of, yeah, we weren't quite planning for that. Of this story, this is the first problem that occurred. So we didn't know what to do. So had she gotten kicked out of Israel before? Was she expecting that this might happen or was it a complete surprise? It wasn't a complete surprise. We were just hoping that they would have forgiven her by now. You know, okay. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you know, when you're young, you think that the world's going to be nice sometimes, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Yeah, we were hopeful. That's about the time you are learning what it feels like to be an adult, because people don't forgive you as much. A lot of the story is just hubris or just not understanding that the world is not Disneyland, you know, coming to that... <laughs> It's not just a tourist paradise, but something fun came of this. Life lessons. Yeah. All over this story. I still think about it. (laughs) Yeah. We didn't know what to do, but I wasn't just going to go on ahead without her because that would have been super terrible. And so we got a taxi, but there was no bus going back to Cairo and we're in the middle of the desert here. And Mm. so we tell a taxi guy we need to sleep somewhere cheap. (laughs) Take us somewhere cheap, please. (laughs) And so the taxi drives us out into the desert, windy roads. We have no idea what's going on. And we arrive at some tents. And these tents end up being probably my favorite place on earth now. (laughs) This is where I want to retire to. Anytime I ever disappear, I might be here (laughs) at this place. (laughs) And uh, it's literally called Paradise. There's a bunch of these little encampments along the Red Sea here where the desert comes to the sea and produces basically an infinite beach, like an infinite Mm. gorgeous beach. Yeah. And people just hang out there. (laughs) A real crazy group of people. It's actually a very popular place for Israeli students. They like to vacation in Egypt at these little encampments. Okay. So made a good impression. My friend decided she'd go on to Alexandria and I would go on to Israel because we were meeting a bunch of friends there too. So up to Israel. Fast forward, had a great time. Israel, yippee, yippee. (laughs) Love that place. (laughs) So let's call all that preface. And I I just had to mention it all because it's all going to come back to haunt me (laughs) later on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And now the goal of the story is get back to Cairo because I have a flight. And... I thought, I can get from Jerusalem to Cairo, no problem. It was super efficient last time. Should not be an issue, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this time there were issues. The first thing I ran into was a super smooth bus that I took through Israel because Israel is quite long. It was another long bus ride through the desert. 
The first one I took was very fast and efficient. The one that I took on the way home was not. Ended up spending an entire day on a terrible like local bus, stopping every five minutes, oh. going through a desert. It was not fun. It wasn't the big, beautiful bus that I had in Egypt. We didn't get any Cokes <laughs> along the way. I was quite dehydrated, in fact. <laughs> turns out like a desert actually is a desert, and you have to take it seriously. <laughs> All the locals know what they're doing, and you're over there asking for a Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they know Coke. Everyone loves Coke. Coke is the <laughs> best thing in the desert. Something sweet. Yeah. Actually, everyone was very nice to me. Everyone's very helpful. In Israel, actually, a lot of people speak English, so you can get around pretty easily. Nice. But I was kind of in a bad mood <laughs> when I arrived at the Egypt border to cross back in. And my plan was to go back to paradise <laughs> because I just <laughs> wanted to go back. <laughs> yeah. Why not go back to paradise? Right. So I'm all grumpy because of the long bus ride. I'm like, well, now I can't enjoy paradise. I'm going to arrive at paradise at night. I don't know what I'm going to do, mm. all this stuff. And then huge mistake number two on my part. And this is idiot hubris. They have a system at the border, and the system involves a little bribery. Mm. And the way it works is you are supposed to become a member of a tour group. Mm. So you're supposed to pay for a tour guide, and then they'll let you through the border. This makes absolutely no sense. This isn't in international law. This isn't how borders work. This is simply get some money out of people, right? Yeah. Did you know this when you arrived or did you have to learn it the hard way? No, I was watching all of this when I crossed the border in the other direction. So I had a mm. vague idea of it all. It was kind of weird. It's like, oh, what's this hundred dollars on top of everything? Well, it's just blah, blah, blah. Interesting. But I'm in one of my bad moods, and I decided I'm not playing ball. I'm not bribing this guy. I'm just not interested in it. I'm just going to get my own thing. I'm going to walk up to the window and get out of here. Well, that was a bad idea because <laughs> the person the person who stamps the passport is a part of the game. Yeah, they have a lot of control. It never occurred to me that logic doesn't matter that you play ball or you don't get to play ball. Wait, that analogy broke down on me, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the rules didn't apply. And so this is the part I'm not allowed to tell. My mother's not allowed to hear, but <laughs> there might have been some yelling. <laughs> There might have been some hurt feelings along the way. I had to sit in a little jail cell for a little while. <laughs> but eventually, I paid the bribe and got out and got through the border. I was so proud of myself for not dying. So do you think your mom would not like the yelling part or the jail part? <laughs> I skipped over a few other little details, but you can fill in the blanks on how bad things got for a little bit there. <laughs> but yeah, the yelling part. Basically, from jail, you were like, fine, I'll give you money. Yeah, but this is also... Also a time of Ramadan, which means that most people aren't really interested in doing anything during the day um, because you can't eat your fasting all day. Mm. And so no one's got any energy. It's hot in the desert. Just no one wants to do anything during the day. And specifically, uh, they'll take like siestas, but long siestas. And so that was their power play with me is they left me to sit in this area while they took naps. Mm. <laughs> and eventually I broke down. But by the time <laughs> that I wanted to get out of there, no one was around. So I had to stay for an even longer part of the day. So so how long would you say you were at the border? 12 hours through oh the night. Oh my goodness. 10 hours. It was dumb. I'm dumb. That's a long time. Yeah. And the guy still didn't stamp my passport correctly because when I, oh, 
it was a terrible story. <laughs> when I was leaving back for the US, it was still not in great shape. So did someone intercept and question you about the stamp when you were coming back into the US later? No, when I was leaving Egypt, they were very confused. Oh. And so I just told them, please let me go. And they said, fine, you may go. <laughs> so, <laughs> thankfully, I'm on to a whole new uh, passport book, but that one forever had unbalanced Egypt stamps. And I probably shouldn't be admitting that right now. <laughs> It's supposed to have entry and exits for everything. <laughs> I feel like that's common, though, in passports. I know that my passports, at least just to Europe or somewhere that's not even exciting, I have some stamps that aren't stamped both ways. I mean, I know the government knows because now they have chips in them, so they know when you're crossing borders. But in the past, it's like technically I'm in like three countries right now because <laughs> like yeah. I have an entry to the U.S., but I have like these entries to two other countries that never were reversed. So. Oh, you make me feel so much better. I felt so guilty about that slash fearing that I'd be arrested at some point <laughs> oh, for no. crossing a border. <laughs> yeah, I, I assumed it was just a normal thing because some countries okay. they were good at and some they just didn't. And I was like, okay, well, if you're letting me through without stamping it, then I assume that it's all good. <laughs> oh, Maybe no. I was just living a rebel lifestyle for years without knowing <laughs> Well, you have more faith in the system than I do. I, I'm just afraid <laughs> it's going to get put into a computer and they'll come get me. It'll be terrible. You never know. <laughs> but I made it out of there. Thank gosh. And I got another cab and the cab took me to paradise. And that was Ooh. lovely because, yeah, <laughs> back to paradise. I had a great time there. There was um, a real fun group of people this time and just hanging out. Except one annoying thing is there's a nice, beautiful coral reef out there. And it's my first time playing on a coral and I cut my foot wide open mm. <laughs> right on the bottom of the foot. So mm. just imagine the rest of the story is my foot hurts a lot <laughs> while I'm traveling. <laughs> okay, I have the image. <laughs> it's, it sounds so stupid, but my foot really did hurt. Yeah, <laughs> kind of put me in a bad cool. mood the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> And depending on if you're like doing a lot of walking and usually when you're traveling, you are walking a lot of yeah, places exactly. throughout the day. Yep. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So lesson learned, don't play on coral without shoes on. Another <laughs> life lesson. <laughs> I should write yeah. these down. <laughs> but now it's Saturday and my flight is Sunday. So mm -hmm. I need to get back to Cairo ASAP. And that still involves crossing the Sinai. My genius plan, because I don't do any research ever on anything, my friends will attest to this, was to simply take another cab back to the border and hop that wonderful bus that we took there the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I'd even leave early in the morning. What a good person I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a little trouble getting a cab, but whatever. Cab arrives and he informs me that the bus does not run on Saturdays. I'm like, oh. Oh, no. Darn it. <laughs> I realized that that was my whole plan and I had absolutely no backups. And your flight is like early on Sunday, not necessarily It Sunday doesn't even night. matter if it's early because it's Cairo. And everything in Cairo takes eight hours to accomplish, mm. especially getting to the airport. I mean, that's an adventure all by itself. So it's just... You need to be there early. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Plus, I was trying to meet up with my friend still. She was coming back from Alexandria. So we we're, you know, uh, trying to coordinate there. Even though I didn't have a phone, we couldn't communicate at all. But the plan was to meet at a certain place at a certain time. <laughs> You're just mentally <laughs> coordinating. <laughs> I mean, this isn't that long ago. But wow, times have changed. Because I think today, at least I'd have a cell phone. Yeah. I could at least coordinate that. This is the dark ages, though. No cell phone. But I'd run out of money. I'd run out of Egyptian money. I had a few American dollars left. 
but I'd used everything to pay for paradise and all the wonderful food there. <laughs> Mediterranean food for $2. It's the best. Mm, I love Mediterranean mm-hmm. food. So that does sound yeah. like paradise. Freshly cooked. Yeah. Run by Ooh. Bedouin people who just want to hang out all day. They don't have Ramadan. Yeah. So awesome. Okay. So no bus and I need to get to Cairo. No airplanes. So I asked the cab how much to get me to Cairo. And he says a billion dollars. I said, I don't have that. (laughs) Uh, What they do have, though, are um, shared buses. So you can rent a bus and, you know, get a bunch of people together, like a big cab. And you take this terrible bus across the desert. And so that became the plan. Problem was, I still had no money. (laughs) I had to convince this cabbie without any money to drive me to the nearest city that had an ATM, which was turned out to be a big deal. The plan was to get some ATM and move on, but there weren't any cities with ATMs nearby. We were in the desert. (laughs) And that was another thing that I wasn't considering, you know, my American brain and I. Yeah. We, we just weren't thinking very well. Well, and if you don't know the area, even if it's the desert, there's some gas stations or a few things here and there. Sure. You might assume that there might be an 7-Eleven. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, take get me a to the 7-Eleven. while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he drives me off in the opposite direction of where we're supposed to be going to go find a city with an ATM. Oh. And we drive and drive. This is a good hour drive out into the desert again. And we arrive in the craziest city city um i don't even know how to describe it at first it seemed very desolate very few people were there but there were lots of buildings so just lots of abandoned buildings as far as the eye could see so a very large city but still very quiet interesting definitely no cars yeah the desert has places like this it's weird so we drive around the city <laughs> looking for an ATM for the longest time. And I'm sorry to laugh. I don't even know the name of the place, but there's one ATM there. And we do find nice. it, but it takes forever. <laughs> yes. Congrats us. I got to play with some kids <laughs> having a little adventure in this crazy little city. So I get some money out of the ATM. And this becomes an issue because long story short, I did not get enough money. And so that's going to become a problem later on because we take the cab. The cab drives me an hour back to the paradise we stop at paradise pick up some more people (laughs) and then head to the buses (laughs) nice yeah so everything's going great right everything's on track yeah back on track yeah except the cab ended up taking about half or three quarters of my money for that part and so i'm like okay i didn't get enough but also wow he just took a lot of money (laughs) and And then the negotiation started. And this is the part I was not at all prepared for, was that crossing the desert's no big deal, uh, is a big deal. (laughs) And so no one wants to do it. (laughs) Like, Yeah, there are buses to rent, but they're like, I'll go two hours, but then I'm heading home because it's almost Mm. dinner time and I haven't eaten all day. I need some food. And the next person would say that, the next person would say that. And also, this is all in Arabic. There is very little English. So we're using, you know, gestures and flashing dollar bills and all that. (laughs) But the nuts and bolts of it are that uh, I do not have nearly enough money to pay for a van to cross the desert and no one wants to do it. But we're going to go ahead anyway. And go part of the way and just see what happens. Yep, that was my decision. Because instead of just heading back to paradise and missing my flight and whatever, moving on with my life, that would have been fine. I decided (laughs) to cross the Sinai Desert without speaking any Arabic with zero money. Were you with other people at this point that also wanted to cross the desert or was it... 
still no. just you. Okay. No. I thought maybe you had recruited some others from Paradise. I know. That would have been nice. At first, they were in the cab with me, but then they're like, oh, you're going back to Cairo. No, we're not going that far. That's far. Mm. Who would go back to Cairo? <laughs> so... <laughs> All by myself. And um, so life lesson number three, or I guess this is definitely the realization that I'm not in Disneyland anymore, because you realize that you're just a person standing in the middle of the desert. And there are three cars here. And you need to be on one of them, no matter what. It kind of doesn't matter at the, at this point. But you can't be out in this desert come nightfall, because I'm wearing like a t shirt. It says go Yankees or something, you know. <laughs> This is a great visual. Yeah. <laughs> so I make the deal to go two hours and then hand off a bit of money to that person. The next person after those hours uh, wanted more money than I had at that point. So I gave him everything else I had and told him, find me an ATM and I'll get you more money. That was mm. my favorite phrase during this whole trip. Find me an ATM. <laughs> such an idiot so when you went to ours was there just naturally you were dropped off like in a small town where there were other people who might drive you or how did you find the second person so these aren't really towns this would be more like a group of five houses and they would have a bus stop and out of those five houses maybe one would be a cab mm. and so some would maybe accumulate at the fun ones if they had a coke machine or something but <laughs> in general these are just very small settlements in the middle of nowhere i mean it's it's not nice out there you don't want to live out there <laughs> but in general there's a good chance that someone would be willing to cab you onwards yes. somewhere else okay yes if you have something to barter slash trade them for because that's <laughs> what it came down to at this point i just started giving away everything i had to say get me to the next whatever the heck as far as you'll go i'm going to cairo i want to go that way well i only had to do that negotiation two more times and then finally someone said okay i'll take you all the way to cairo and you're going to owe me lots of money, but I'll take you to an ATM and you'll give me lots of money. Did you find ATMs along the way? No, no, there, there's no electricity out there. So you were not replenishing the money? No, at this point, I'm just giving away everything that I have that's of value. Oh, like your actual items. Mm-hmm. All, wow. all done with money. We were done with that. Well, you know, I still had some American money, but no one would take that. They would rather have some stuff. So I was giving stuff away. What's the most valuable or most personal to you thing that you had to give away? Uh, you know, or it was it was. All I was at a phase in my life where, yeah, there there wasn't That's much good. of that. You know, I had actually already lost a bunch of stuff on that trip, so I'd already come to terms with you know shedding the material world. <laughs> Another life lesson. Yeah, this is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point i'm just like it's just stuff i can get rid of it you know gotcha. it, the desert yeah. the desert puts things in perspective for you nicely but definitely people know what's worth money you know if i tried to give them something cheap they're like no that's cheap and i'm like darn it i thought i could <laughs> fool you but no <laughs> i'm the fool here at some point i i lost a leatherman and i guess that was my most favorite item because it's nice to have it's my last knife my last tool my last anything to have the rest was just, you know, me by myself. So I was kind of sad to lose that one. Mm. But the next guy, the next cab, the final cab, or so I thought, <laughs> was uh -oh. going to take me all the way to Cairo. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> Took me to the second craziest town I've ever seen in my entire life. This place is very much like the first one I described, where it's very large, but there aren't many people. But this time, there's lots of people. 
Mm. And it's also a trash dump <laughs> that people go through all the trash there. Mm. And so this whole town is kind of a trash dump where people scavenge through it. It's unforgettable. <laughs> yeah, like that's how they make their living, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it was completely new to me. I, I'd been around the world. I've seen some things, but this was a new one for me. And you were in this town looking for an ATM? Okay, so the problem is, <laughs> I have no idea why we're in this town. So I'm like, dude, why are we in this town? But he doesn't speak much English. Okay. And finally, it gets back to me that he's not allowed in Cairo. So there are multiple licenses to be had in Egypt, and his license did not allow him to enter Cairo, and there was a checkpoint up the road. And so we veered off the checkpoint and went to crazy, crazy town instead. Wow. Yeah, this was all unknown to me. But unfortunately, at this point, he's demanding money because he can't go to Cairo. He's been driving all day. He wants to go back home. And I keep telling him, I have no money. Remember the deal. That was the deal. <laughs> <laughs> so in desperation, I'm trying to give him American dollars and I'm trying to show him how they convert. Like I'm showing him an app on my phone converting <laughs> American dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, look how much this is worth. And it was later explained to me, it's really not worth anything to him because he's not allowed in a bank either. Just the way things work there is oh. he just literally can't step foot in a bank. So he can't exchange it. So he's got to exchange it with someone else who would exchange it with someone else, someone else. That's why he was so reticent. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. <laughs> why can't he step in a bank? Just call it a class system. Okay. It's a class, not necessarily that he was a criminal or some. No, other... no, nothing like that. No. Yeah. And I don't want to talk too much to it because I honestly don't understand the system very well. So I, could, I don't want to sure. paint it in the wrong picture. But yeah, there's definitely rules and different strata of society that people belong to there. Wow. Well, in fact, one of the cabs along the way, <laughs> a deal I thought I'd made with him was I want an empty van this time because I'm exhausted and I wanted to sleep. But we picked up this one passenger and I'm like, dude, what's up? We're picking someone up. I wanted an empty van. I'm still being picky, even though I'm hitchhiking across the desert. <laughs> Such a weirdo. But this guy ended up being a police officer, but a plainclothes police officer. Oh. And these are quite common around the country, too. And they can basically do whatever they want, especially to this cab driver. So, you know, he could command him to go wherever he needed to go. Wow. So that kind of fun stuff. You get used to the fun <laughs> society there. Yeah. But a lot of this I learned after the fact. Mm. At the time, I'm just dealing with a very angry cab driver who won't let me get out of his van in the middle of a little trash town and I have no money. And so then a savior came. <laughs> and I still don't know exactly what happened or then I guess we were probably making a scene <laughs> and this guy noticed. <laughs> so this guy spoke English. Thank God because no one there spoke English. And obviously he spoke Arabic. He was I forgot his rank, but in the Egyptian military. So he spoke both languages fluently. Mm. And he convinced the guy to take my American dollars and go home again. I, this is privilege here. I got to take advantage of the class society here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't feel too much guilt at the time, though, because I was just happy <laughs> to be out of the out yeah, of their cab. Trying to escape this situation that you found yourself in. You're right. So he gets me out of the cab, walks me over to a train station, buys me a train ticket to Cairo, oh. and I head off to Cairo. 
and I basically gave him everything else I had at that point. <laughs> what is everything else? <laughs> like your clothes? Or... I mean, other than clothes, because no one wanted the clothes because they're all smelly. So yeah, pretty much everything but that. That was actually, he's the one I gave uh, the Leatherman to. It was a nice uh. 100 or 200 hour Leatherman. So. And did you do that just out of the goodness of your heart at that point? Because you were so grateful. Yeah, that was not, he did not expect it. This was me just saying Thank you for getting me out of that. I really needed that. You are the best. Here, have something. (laughs) I have literally nothing to give you. I just want to show my appreciation (laughs) somehow. (laughs) It seems so weird. Maybe it's because I was in such a barter mode at that point, but it was just like I had to show my appreciation to him somehow other than just saying thanks. Yeah, I'm sure he recognized what you were trying to do and wasn't like, I don't want this stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's basically the end of the story. Thanks to him, I made it back into Cairo late Saturday night. But thankfully, it was Ramadan. So there were big parties happening everywhere. And I stayed up all night partying and (laughs) met up with my friend. And somehow we made it to the flight and somehow made it home. So had a happy ending in the end. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't believe that you were going to catch the flight like at some point in the story I was pretty convinced that there was so many chances especially when you're taking these taxis every few hours yeah there was so many opportunities for it just not to work out but you know there was great incentive because you literally just couldn't stop if I if I tried to sit in one of those towns I would have just had to go knocking on someone's door and ask if I could stay with them that night because you're not gonna sit out in the desert overnight so there's a lot of incentive for me to just do whatever it took (laughs) to get back there but yeah I think if I had done this now in my older age I wouldn't have done any of that I would have just stayed in paradise for a few more days caught the lovely bus back to Cairo and just gone easy yeah I think it's not as big of a deal I mean it still is a big deal to miss a flight the older you get but it's something that you can see a little bit more perspective on with age of like life is still going to be okay if I catch this flight two days later. It might cost me some money, but it's going to be okay. Whereas definitely in my younger years, I think I wouldn't have had that kind of high level view of life. (laughs) And I would have been more concerned about what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's perfectly acceptable. Well, of all the lessons this trip taught me, a lot of it's just be more prepared. Prepared. And I don't mean that in like um, a survivalist or anything. You know? I don't go like <laughs> more Leatherman. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't carry a buoy. I don't even carry a knife anymore. They're too hard to get through airports. It's yeah. not even a point. No point to it. Yeah. You go to Egypt with like a satchel full of Leathermans just so you can barter yeah. with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Cigarettes work very well too because you can mm. buy them at the border and people love them. You can get them at a good price and they go along very well. The old systems, they still work. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, alcohol and cigarettes, (laughs) still hot commodities all around the world. Yeah, the alcohol is too heavy to carry. I made that mistake in Japan. It was just (laughs) not worth it. (laughs) I'm super glad that you made the flight. And you learned a lot of life lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. Always have a plan B. (laughs) Don't trust that plan A is ever going to happen. Yeah, Yeah. that's it. (laughs) It was like kind of your plan C or D maybe at some point as well. I do love improvising though. So I am slightly proud of myself for, you know, making it because survivor bias, I guess. But at the (laughs) same time, I don't want to be too proud of myself because I made so many stupid mistakes along the way. (laughs) So can you tell us your favorite thing about travel? Oh, I'm a history buff. 
So I really love to uh, see old places and think about all the people who'd been there and what their lives were like. And mm-hmm. I just play fantasy games like that all the time while I'm traveling. I just love trying to correlate what I read in books to actual rock on the ground. That's my favorite thing, especially if I can match up a picture or something like that, or at least a yeah. picture in my head. Yeah. So just the history. I just, it's, it's the culture and history I just want to see of the world. The rocks are nice, but (laughs) rocks are only so entertaining. I want to see the cities and how people work together and how the rocks shape their lives. (laughs) (laughs) When you see a picture of a city that you know well, that's a very old picture. It's so cool because it kind of takes you mentally to that time and you can only imagine what it would be like. But then the fun part of it is to compare it to what it's like today, right? Because obviously if it stayed the same, it wouldn't be as interesting. I think... Probably the best part of traveling is when you see a vibrant city that also has a huge historical past. So I love Mm. people partying in Rome. I just love the concept of it. I love seeing it. I love joining the parties. One of my favorite parties I was ever in was in some old dungeons of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem's like a has castle-y kind of parts with big walls and, you know, crazy dungeons and things like that. And I went to a rave in a, <laughs> in a part of Jerusalem. And I just love that meshing of the modern world and the old world, you know, still using still using those dungeons for good purposes. Yeah. (laughs) For better purposes, hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the current culture is always the best. You want to see the history parts fun to correlate, but then to see how that's turned into the present. It's fun to see that path. Yeah. The dichotomy of old and new. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for letting me tell that long-winded story. Some ups and downs. I thought it was great. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Is there anywhere online that we can find you? Oh, sure. Uh, If people are on Twitter, I'm I don't know. I do stuff on Twitter. I'm mostly a programmer, so I talk about programming stuff on Twitter. But if you're interested in that, um, I'm Preclarum, P-R-A-E-C-L-A-R-U-M. It's a long one. Hopefully you can play that back or maybe it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes too. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Globetrotters. Thanks for listening to Trinspo, the travel inspiration podcast. If you loved this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. To support the pod and rock some swag while heading out on your next adventure, check out our new merch page at transpo.com merch. You can always get more of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and transpo.com. Thanks for coming along for the journey. 